Hello there, it's Brian again from the Franchise Simply and from our Franchise Radio Show. Great to have you along today. I hope you enjoy our conversation today. I've got something quite unusual, I think. <laughs> I've called this, this particular podcast Lessons from a Father, a Franchise Dynasty. Now, um, I'm talking quite seriously here because we're talking about the United Franchise Group, which as we dig into this and talk to, a, to, to AJ Titus, who's the current uh, CEO um, and a long-term, obviously, family member, we'll find a little bit more. I think there's some lovely and interesting quirks there, which uh, which you'll all share. I find interesting whether whichever side of the Atlantic or the Pacific Oceans you're on, there's something here for you as franchisee or a franchise or, or indeed a prospective franchise also. AJ Titus is the president of United Franchise Group and Sinorama. Um, they are, without any question, a leading member of the franchise industry. Um, and he's developed quite a, a deep connection and passion for entrepreneurship. Um, the foundations within the, the industry are quite significant. AJ's father, Ray, who I've had the fortune to, to meet at a couple of our conventions here in Australia, he was the founder of the United Group, um, basically titled as a, a global leader for entrepreneurs. His grandfather, Roy, was the founder of Minuteman Press that we see regularly in all our franchise exhibitions in Australia. And I know that others are visited overseas. So there's a legacy of great people involved with this industry. Um, and, and AJ has had uh, a, a, certainly a significant educational background as well. Um, so he's leveraged all this insight and his understanding from the people he's inherited uh, from the point of view of the uh, United Franchise Group. And, He's got an MBA that he got at the University of Miami. He's got a business degree. He's a certified franchise executive on the board of the, the Rinker School of Business and the Titus Center for Franchising. So it, the list runs on. And so it's fantastic to have an opportunity to, to talk to AJ and uh, for us to share some of his, his background knowledge and so forth. So we're going to have a bit of a fireside chat between us, AJ and I. Um, AJ, thanks very much for joining us today. Absolutely. It's great to be on. Um, anything you'd like to add to my brief bio? No, that was very kind. I appreciate it. I mean, I, I would say that I'm serving a life sentence at United <laughs> Franchise Group <laughs> and in franchising. I guess it's in my blood, you can say. Uh, but it's a good life sentence, right? I'm not I'm not complaining by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it's something we've always done. The Titus family has been a part of it for a long time. And, you know, my brothers, my cousins, my aunts, my uncles, my my wife <laughs> have all been in part of the business in some way, shape or form. So it's 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 been a lot of fun. That, that's significant. It really is. A, a dynasty, as you would call it, or a dynasty, as I would call it here. Um, so um, in actual fact, let's, let's, maybe you might just share with us a little bit about the extent of the United Franchise Group. There are a large number of groups involved. You've got a vast number of franchisees. Um, perhaps you could just share a little bit of that off the top of your head there, AJ. Sure. You know, we have over 1,400 franchise owners in 60 countries around the world. You know, we're in all different types of industries, Signorama, which is sign graphics. Um, we have Fully Promoted, which is in promotional products, uniforms, T-shirts, screen printing, things of that nature. We're in business brokerage. We're in the shared office space. We're in a lot of different food businesses. We're, we're all over the place. And so we're diversified um, in franchising. The one unique thing is we're a franchise company. So we have a lot of different businesses, but, you know, our, our main service is to service our franchise owners. And, you know, our mission statement is we have one customer, our franchise owner, when they're successful, we're successful. So um, 
you know, we're, we've been doing it for a long time. We started with Sinorama. It was, you know, over 25 years where we were just Sinorama and we added uh, Embroid Me, which became fully promoted and we've never looked back since then. So that's kind of the brief, brief history of United Franchise Group. And I'm sure we could speak for days because the experience that's been accumulated within your group and indeed your family is fascinating. So um, I suppose, what made you follow the family and get into franchising, AJ? You must have had lots of choices. You've got a you know, significant background and good understanding. Yeah, well, my, my dad did a great job at reverse selling us. So he never told us we have to be a part of the business and required us to do it. He he always told us you got to be passionate about what you do and you got to love what you do. And if that's franchising, great. Um, but he wanted us always to, hey, get some experience at the company first. And then whatever you want to do with that experience, you can do with that what you want to do. And so you know, we started, all of us, my brothers and myself and my cousins, we all started either doing manual labor and working in maintenance, or, you know, we worked for franchise development, which we were just on the phones all the time. We were in our phone room. And so, you know, we got our experience there and you know, maybe got the taste of being a part of the business and, and grew from there. But, you know, I, I've learned a ton from the people who've worked with us for 15, 20, 25 years, plus our franchise owners who have been with us 15, 20, 25 years. And so, um, yeah, definitely lucky to be a part of the family and be a part of the group to get the experience that I've gotten. And, you know, we really have just fallen in love with franchising or myself, I fall in love with franchising. Right. You've obviously developed a close relationship with your franchisees. Um, and uh, so in the course of that, I suppose, looking at, at franchising objectively, what, what are the, some of the tips you could give briefly from your experience, which is very broad, obviously, for some of those even looking at starting their own business, let's start with the grassroots, AJ. Yeah, I, I mean, with it in franchising, it's all about your relationships with your franchise owners. I mean, you at the end of the day, when my my role as Signorama president, I don't sell signs. I, I support our franchise owners who sell signs. And so our my relationships with them and how we help them and build them up and encourage them. And that's a big part of our role. And we make it easier for them to do business. That's really what a franchisor is supposed to be doing. And you all do well based on that. And so, you know, if you're looking at a business, if you're someone in the market for looking at a franchise or you're looking to start a franchise company, you have to start from that basis. So if you're looking for a franchise, you got to find a franchise company who has those that years of those many years of experience where they're franchisee focused. They're focused on franchise unit growth. And on top of that, if you're looking to start a franchise, you can't just start with a good idea. You got to start with a proven model. You got to start with how do we help our franchise owners when we get franchise owners? How do they make money? How do they do well? Um, because if that doesn't happen, then you don't have a franchise company. You don't have really anything at that point. So, so how do you find the right fit? What would you say to someone who said, "Yeah, like I like the concept of franchising. I, I really want to start my own business." I know that business can be, you know, quite a risky element, starting on your own. The success rates aren't fantastic, but in franchising, I know you've got a better chance. Um, mm. How do I choose what's best for me? 
it, that's a hard question because, you know, for us in the sign business, you know, no one has really, no one grew up thinking, man, I can't wait to be in the sign business when I get older. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, we look for people who are marketing specific or sales driven people. Um, and that's where I would start is what are you good at? I, if you're looking at a business, are you a sales minded person? Are you a technical minded person? Are you a, a process driven person? Um, because, the franchise might be different based on, you know, what your skill sets are. You know, we look for those, you know, sales and marketing driven people, but we also have good people who are technical, you know, who are more process driven because franchising is all about process. You have a proven model. And so, you know, we've found in the U S that veterans make great franchise franchisees. Why is that? Because they're very process driven. They're, they, they know what to do. They follow the chain of command and they've, they've been successful in that way. And so, you know, I, I would start with what you're good at and then what interests you too. You know, you know, do you like talking with people? Do you not like talking to people? You know, if you don't like talking with people, you probably don't want to do a retail franchise. You probably don't want to do a franchise where you interact with a lot of people. And so, you know, there's things like that I would look at um, first. Uh, bearing in mind your franchisees, and I appreciate in your groups that uh, people can come, as you say, from all kinds of backgrounds, it really comes back to what drives them, what's their skill sets and so forth. So that maybe they're, they're new to employing people, for example. So how would you say to them, you know, from that point of view, how do you, how do you, how do you recruit and how do you manage staff and, and so forth in a business? Well, that's in any business, you know, if, if we found the magic bullet for that, please give me a call or shoot me an email because we're going to make a lot of money together <laughs> because that's always been something that's, that, that can be a struggle for franchise owners and for business owners alike. It's a struggle for us, you know, finding and, and keeping talent. Uh, but I, my approach is it's a diverse approach, you know, tell everybody, shake everyone's hands, network, tell someone you're looking for good people you know, for us, it's talk to your vendors because guess what your vendors are doing? They're in your competitor's store. And so if you're saying to your vendor, hey, we're looking for a sales rep, do you know anyone in another location that's unhappy? You know, in another one of the, the locations you service, are they unhappy? Do you have a sign? Signs work. <laughs> we're a big signage company. So do you have signage? Do you have um, what makes you unique? You know, people don't only come for money. They don't only come to your location for money. They come to your location because they want something that means more, that there's a deeper value, de deeper meaning in what their work is. And do you sell that? Do you talk to them about that? Um, I can't tell you how many people I, I, they interview and they say, wow, you're, you know, there's a lot of energy about you. There's a lot of, well, it's because we're selling them too. And I, I think sometimes business owners, they look at it as, okay, you're selling me. And of course that's part of it, but you're also selling them on the culture. You're selling them on the future. They're selling them on how are you going to develop them long-term? And so are you doing those things in the interviewing process? And are you telling your current staff to do that as well? Yeah, I think that's the lesson that a lot of people don't understand. You know, I, I don't know about in North America, uh, but certainly in the UK and certainly in the States, there's quite a skeptical view out there in the community about franchising. You know, from time to time, there are franchisors that, that don't, don't do the right thing, that don't behave in a, an ethical and trustworthy way. And of course, they get lots of airtime. Um, you know, that's what the media is all about, <laughs> looking for a good story. So how do you how do you illustrate to a prospective franchisee that they're moving into somewhere that's a secure environment where they are expected to, to, to pull their weight 
Um, and that, that essence, Greg Nathan described it ideally when he wrote his book, Franchise Relationships, years ago, that, you know, a successful franchisee equals a successful franchisor. And if the franchisee is not making a profit, then the odds are, if you've got your sums right, then the franchisor isn't. So how do you describe that synergy to someone from outside the industry who doesn't understand that franchising is a, almost an exclusive sort of club in as much as people... Yeah generous and share um, so openly between themselves. Well, so first of all, Greg Nathan's great. So if, if you all listening have not read any of his books, he's a wonderful author. He He's kind of a base of what we do here at United Franchise Group. A lot of his books have inspired myself and, and a lot of our staff. So that's, I love Greg. Um, on top of that, show me an industry that doesn't have some black sheep. You know, every industry has some bad actors. And unfortunately, that's the case, you know, in every industry. And so, but the fact of the matter is my experience with franchising, it's been overwhelmingly positive, you know, and it's been overwhelmingly a portion of sharing and, and working together and growing because that's how franchise companies work, you know, that, that at its core, if you have a long term franchise company, you're building your money through making royalties. And when you're making money on your royalties, it means your franchise owners are by and large doing well too. And so that's what we need to be focused on is how do you grow your royalty profits? Because if you're growing your royalties, your franchise owners are growing their top line sales and they should be making a lot of money from that. And that's what a healthy system is. So, you know, I, I think it's mostly education. I think it's showing people and and giving people examples all over the world because there's hundreds and thousands of of examples of franchise companies that do it the right way that are great, great companies. And so I think it's more of that and not, you know, focus on the airtime and, you know, you know, the, the couple bad actors. Yeah. So looking at a bigger scale, because this is what fascinates me is, is the size of your organization, the way that it's grown, as you say, for 25 years, it was Sinarama. Then I imagine it would have been maybe your father that made the decision. Hey, let's, let's, let's see a bigger picture out there. You know, we do what we do well. We know how to do it. We know the people we work with. There's obviously opportunities, which he didn't just get involved with, you know, get another franchise group. He really got a large number of organizations. I, I'd like to know a little bit of how you've managed that growth, because we see, for example, in Australia, um, we, we've had people like Subway. Now, they're a large operator here. But when they first came here in the early 90s, they failed. Um, yeah. Cream came here and twice they failed. Um, even even when we look at Starbucks, for example, they eventually sold out here to to 7-Eleven because they just couldn't manage the group successfully. Can you share your philosophy? Because you've obviously you've been through the trials and tribulations, and you've done it, and you succeeded. Sure. No, I think from Sinorama's perspective. So go back to your first question. You know, we had someone that came and gave us advice at the corporate office, and the advisor basically said. Hey, so I'm confused. Are you a signed company or are you a franchise company? And my dad finally said, we're a franchise company. And it kind of clicked for him to say, okay, wow, we're a franchise company. If we're a franchise company, we have a bunch of processes and training and all these things that we've learned over the years with Signorama that we can replicate for any brand that we decide any industry, any type of company. And so that was the big aha moment where we went from being Sinorama to being a much bigger organization. And when we became a much bigger organization, it helps Sinorama. It helps all our brands because we have that scale and we have that bigger footprint and we have the bigger support network 
that we can help our franchise owners with. So growth is good in that regard. Um, now, in terms of going to other countries and mistakes, I, I mean, we can have a whole podcast on mistakes that we've made over the years. Um, but the biggest lesson that I've learned is you not every single place is the same. So there's a balance as a franchise company of having your processes, the way to do things, what you know is successful, but also learning about where you're going and what works and doesn't work and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and the customs where you're going. And, you know, it was funny because Australia in a lot of ways is very similar to the U.S., but it's really not similar to the U.S. in a lot of ways. And so I think when you bring up examples like that, you know, where, that they gone to Australia, I, my assumption would be that they just thought, oh, this is just like another state we're going into. And it's it's not. And, and you know, you know that and I know that. But there are things, too, you have to have flexibility with your master partners. We have a master partner um, agreement with all the different countries except for Australia for us. Um, but work with your master partners. You, you're finding master partners because you're admitting you don't know enough in that region or in that country to do it yourself. And so, for instance, we have awesome master partners all over the world for Sinorama in South Africa and Singapore, in um, France, all over the New Zealand as well. And we give them flexibility to work in their country because they have to, you know, at the end of the day, the French market is very different than the US market. And so there's going to be changes. New Zealand's very different than Singapore. And so there has to be that flexibility with your master partners, and you have to work with them to follow the processes and the system, but also have that flexibility. Right, yeah. So <clears throat> when you're looking for master partners, um, how do you go about that process? Excuse me. <clears throat> um, so whether you're in you're looking at Singapore, New Zealand, or France, or Belgium, how do you, what, what, what's, your, what's your process and how do, you, how do you seek out the people you're looking for? What specs are you, what skills are you looking for? Yeah, it's, that one's even more all over the place than our franchise ease, to be uh -huh. honest with you. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're looking for people who, you know, may not have experience in the industry, but they're really good at managing people. They're really good at following processes. They're really good at seeing the bigger picture too. So they can't be focused on running a location. They have to be focused on what does the country look like? How many franchise units can we have in the country? How do we make them successful? How do we put together marketing plans? How do we put together a support structure for them within the country? And so we're looking at those types of skills, you know, and, and we target certain areas all over the world. Each one of our our franchise companies do and we'll advertise towards them or we'll have we'll go to a trade show or a seminar or things of that nature um work locally with um the chain their version of the chamber of commerce and and find people locally who who want to start a franchise company and on top of that depending on the country franchise franchising has become so popular that people just want to add other brands and kind of be like united franchise group in their country as well and that's not unusual yeah, so you're looking at more of the corporate models, which I know in 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 sort of in um, in southwest Southeast Asia, for example, is very common that you'll have an organisation that owns corporate outlets as opposed to franchise outlets. Do, do you have any of that model working where you've got a, a national franchisor or somewhere a master franchisor, and they actually have corporate outlets as opposed to franchisees? We, we do. We have a couple of that in India as well. We have some of that across the country, not as much for Sinorama. It's a little different with 
our other brands. So I think about VentureX, we have some of that in VentureX around the world where someone would open up multiple VentureX units. Um, for Sinorama, it's pretty much mostly franchise franchised out. Um, but we're not opposed to that type of model at all. I, I think it just depends. And that's what we're talking about being flexible. You know, mm -hmm. that market might be, hey, we want to open up our own units. That's totally fine. Right, which is interesting. So your philosophy is one of flexibility, um, which draws me to how do you support different types of models and different types of people in these different, you know, around these very various parts of the world with different cultures and, and so forth. Yeah, it's it's we're flexible, but there are some things we're not flexible on. We're not flexible on our products in terms of what we sell. Now we might add to them, but the core base of products are going to stay the same. Our branding is going to remain pretty similar. There might be a little bit of differences, and we might change the tagline somewhere to you know have the local language and things like that. Um, but in the same breath, you're really just focused on selling, marketing. It's all a lot of the stuff is the same that you're teaching. You know, the the actual production and the actual locations might be different, but really the core of what we do is very similar. So it it, it hasn't been as big of a hurdle as you know one might think. You mentioned that back when I think your father got the 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 idea, if you like, that that sort of spark about, hey, we're a franchise company. Um, from an advisor that was working with you at the time. Do you use many outside advisors or do you, is everything done within your internal executive team? How, how do you work as an organization? Yeah, most of it is done internally, but we get a lot of feedback from all of our parties. So it could be our vendors. It could be other people within our staff. It could be our franchise owners. You know, we get outside opinions for sure, but a lot of it is done um, internally. And I think that's what makes kind of us special because we're a large company, but we're still privately held family operated. And so we're like a cruise ship that can move like a jet ski. My dad uses that example all the time. And so I think there's some bigger organizations that they get caught up in the, you know, hey, I'm a big cruise ship and I can't move. We want to be nimble. We want to be able to react to what our franchise owners needs and what the needs are and what the market is. And so we try to do that in that way, you know, not to saying getting outside opinions is a bad thing. We get outside opinions all the time, but we also want to be able to move quickly. Yeah, that flexibility brings me to I think one of the keys of franchising compared with corporates. If you look at a, you know, you, you look at a clothing fashion business, for example, so women's fashion, you know, the large corporates are out there with vast numbers of, of stores, but it's the franchise chains that have the ability with the flexibility because they are the jet skis. So I suppose yeah. you know, when it comes to quick changes and goodness me, didn't we see it during COVID that uh, the franchise companies were the ones that were able to pull some weight with government departments and local councils and to actually find solutions for their franchisees. Whereas the, the standalone was left really, I suppose, uh, spinning their wheels or spinning their propellers, if we want to look at it from a, a ship point of view. So, um, okay, so that, that, that's interesting. So maybe what would be helpful for our listeners across the board is a little bit of your process at Sinorama. So, you know, you've given us a little bit of the, of the background. But what's the process that you use, I suppose, across your, across your, your groups? To be for someone to become a franchisee in the organization well so we have a process obviously that we we follow from our development process and you know we market and we we get in touch with people who are interested and, and we we take them through our steps 
And that our steps include multiple meetings where they get to know us a little bit. We're, we're very personal. You know, we want to get to know the person. And obviously they want to get to know us because this is a long-term relationship. This is not a, you know, we're not selling a, you know, a souvenir or something. We're, we're, we're working with people and we're working together with them on the long-term. And so we, we show them a location. We invite them on our discovery day tour, which is virtual um, where they get to meet our whole team, a lot of our executives as well. And so our for what Steinorama does, we'll do actually our marketing team, our support team, and then I'll spend some time on the phone with them as well or on Zoom with them as well. Um, and then we take them down the steps. And so it's it's a pretty straightforward process, not complicated, but really the core of it is we're just trying to get to know them, get to know them as a person. And, and I want them to get to know us as a team, because they're going to be working with us. And so we have that process and, you know, signoramafranchise.com or signorama.com, both areas where you can go see Signorama and unitedfranchisegroup.com as well. You can see all of our different brands there. So um, I'm interested in your virtual tour. We've all gone virtual, of course, in the last couple of years. <laughs> one, of the, one of the biggest changes, I think, a paradigm shift that I've certainly seen in my life and career in business. Um, from your point of view, I've Notice you mentioned there about the virtual tours. No doubt, ten years ago, that may not have been the case. Obviously, um, how do you conduct a virtual tour? So yeah, up until COVID, most of our you know tours were 100% in person. We would actually drive people around to locations. They would come to our office. We'd fly them down. Um, we moved. We had to move to all virtual during COVID, and so we've just kept that going over this over these couple of years. Um, but really it is, it's a Zoom meeting and we do a virtual tour of the office so people can see kind of our, our facilities. Uh, we do a virtual tour of a location, what a location looks like. Um, and then we get to meet the key people within the department. So it would be a marketing support, um, someone from United Franchise Group, myself or, or whatnot, talks to them about the brand and, and get, talks to them about what we have going on, what have we been investing in, the future of the brand, things of that nature. Where we And, and on top of that, it's really you know, getting to know the person too. So getting on, you know, what they're, what they like to do, what are they, you know, what are they passionate about? Things of that nature. So, you know, it's, it's about an hour and a half, you know, two hours if, if at most, but you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, no, it's interesting. So, I mean, one of the reasons you succeeded, I'm sure is because you cracked the key of franchising. A lot of groups I look at, and we look at quite a number of established groups, both yeah. old and relatively new that perhaps have, you know, in need of refreshing, but also maybe just haven't hit the sweet spot. And there's one key area, which I think is, well, there's two key things. Number one, which you've referred to a couple of times in their systems and ensuring people use them. And then the support, not just when they join and go through their training program. So how do you, what's your philosophy with regards to systems? How do you get people to follow their processes in your vast number of thousands of outlets how do you get them to all behave in the same manner, AJ? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the age-old question in franchising, right? You know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you're never going to get 100% of your franchise owners that that comply with what the system is. And I think the big thing is just showing them that this is not here just because we feel like it. It's here because we want you to be successful. And the systems and the processes are here because they've been proven to work and that we've worked with them over the, a period of time. And we've worked with other franchise owners and other franchise owners over the years have added to it. And we've taken and we've shared best practices. And so that's what it, we need to get across to, to our franchise owners. And a good franchisor talks through that 
um, with them and says, look, you know, if you do this, you can be successful. If you don't do this, then you may not be successful, unfortunately. And that's what we want to make sure we don't want anyone to be not successful. And we want our success rate to continue to be really stellar. And so that's what we, we have. That's how I bring about the systems and processes with them. And we, you do it with energy too, and you do it with passion and you do it with in a positive way. Um, and then you ask the franchise owner, because there might be something you don't fully get, you know, that there's, I see a lot of franchise companies down the, you know, in my, my life that they, you know, try to just shove something down, you know, someone's throat to, you know, get something done, get their point across. And that's not the right way to do it. You know, talk to the franchise owner, because at the end of the day, they're the one running the business. And so there might be a reason that they're not doing something in that way. You know, you just, you got to ask first. That, that makes a lot of sense. So from for that, from the point of view of support, then the second of the key areas, how, how, what's your philosophy and methodology when it comes to support, AJ? So we do a lot of different ways we support a franchise owner. So we, we do a quarterly magazine here in the U.S., where we actually have articles, we share them with our franchise owners, some are written by other franchise owners, some are written by our team. And we have in that magazine who to call for what. And so we have our entire team, our phone is always open to every single franchise owner in the US and Australia, all around the world. If they have a question on vendors, if they have a question on marketing, social media, whatever the case may be, our support team is available for them. And then each one of our franchise owners are assigned to a business advisor that's in their local area. So we broke down the countries into regions where they get in-person in support, um, either virtual or in-person support. And so we take it in kind of steps. Um, but really, as much as the franchise owners ask for support, they'll get it. Right. Well, that's a very open book. So I know. Fantastic. That's an interesting lesson. Yes. As opposed to rationing it which is uh, the attitude of some organizations. So that depends very much on, I suppose, uh, uh, the philosophy of the franchise or company. Um, what's your experience with regards to uh, public companies that own franchise chains and so forth? It's one that uh, from time to time certainly raises question marks from my point of view, as far as their motivation. What's your view on that? I mean, you could easily have floated your business. Sure. Yeah, and we we get inquired about it all. Yeah, there's a ton of inquiries that come in with that all the time. But that's not our that's not our motivation. Our motivation is something kind of bigger. We want to build for our family long term and things of that nature. And you know, I I think look, it I'm biased. I, I love privately held companies, family run companies too. So, but I know a lot of good people who have franchise companies um, that are publicly traded and then they work with them and things of that nature. And so I think it just depends on the type of brand and what they're trying to accomplish. I definitely know that in those types of situations, you're not going to be able to call the founder's cell phone and talk to them. And in, in our situation, you can. And so, I, I mean, that's the big kind of tangible, but kind of soft thing that you can talk about um, where, you know, franchise owners can text me, call me, you know, they text and call my dad all the time. And so that's been really a blessing in, in my life. And I know in the publicly traded side or the private equity side, they're not doing the same thing. Um, but in a lot of ways, they have a lot of funds and they can fund some unique initiatives and R&D and things of that nature. Um, and that's, you know, helps move franchising forward too. There's a lot of great publicly traded franchises out there. Yeah, okay. well, when, I, when we talk from Australia, you know, we, we do have organizations that are reasonable mass, but when we took a look at the States, the number of 
huge multi-unit franchise franchisees that actually run into hundreds of franchises. Do you have large multi-unit franchisees in your organizations or do you do you stick to the smaller scale, AJ? Well, it depends on our brand. We do we are getting some larger multi-unit franchises, franchise uh ease in our food brands, in Venture X, in our cooperative workspace franchises. So those are those are happening there. In, in Sinorama and our other brands, we don't really have a ton of multi-unit franchises from that pr- point of view. Um, but it's the trend is definitely towards more of them, uh, definitely towards more multi-unit franchises um, and more multi-unit franchisees. Yeah. I guess then your multi-unit franchisees are entrepreneurs in their own right of significant size. So they've got capital, they've got, they're obviously they're smart operators. You, you have, how do you develop a support program for them? Because it's at a totally different level to what you've been providing to your franchisees. Their needs become a far, far higher sort of a type. Sure. No, they are definitely different. But what's unique about us is they're kind of mini master partners in a lot of ways. And so they're actually becoming you know, our support methods for our master partners. We're implementing them domestically now because they're very similar in those ways. And so we kind of meld what we do with our current franchise owners to our master uh, master franchise owners as well. And so that's been the great kind of mix between the two. But yeah, you're right. It's a completely different mindset, completely different set of support tools. Yeah, now what, what drew me to, to, to you and our, our conversation that we're having today was um, I saw a note about your book, which I'm interested to learn a bit more about it. Um, it's called, correct me if I'm wrong, The List, um, Lessons from a Father. Yeah, I got it right here. <laughs> Excellent. So could you tell us a little bit about the book, what inspired you to write it and what the contents are, what people will learn from it? Um, why would you recommend sure. Reader. <laughs> well, so so my motivation behind the book is my my wife and I, we had our first child two months ago. And so uh, her name is Abigail. And so when when my wife um, told me she was pregnant, I, I started thinking about my upbringing and, and what my dad did for me growing up. And one of the things he did was he read what he called the list. And one of the non-negotiables in my household is my dad would drive us to school when he was in town and we had dinner with him at six o'clock when he was in town. So those were the two non-negotiable things. And so, you know, and, and what he did every single day is he would read the list to us when we were kids. And then we had to recite it back to him. We had to memorize it and, and recite it back to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, at dinner, he would ask, what's the best thing that happened to you today to keep us in a positive mindset? And so I just thought, look, you know, I want something that I can pass on to my daughter first and foremost. But then on top of that, you know, if I could write a book and pass it out to people and and someone can get some value from it somewhere, you know, that's, that, that's great for me. You know, that's what I, that gives me some, some pleasure and some value. And and I want to help other, other people, you know, either use the list for themselves or pass it on to their kids. That's what, that would be great. So I, I like the technique. That's, that's a very interesting technique. So you're fortunate to have a father like you do have that's got that sort of, obviously he's systemized, he's well systemized, he's well documented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a franchisor <laughs> yeah. so i suppose from, from that point of view um what, what's your favorite piece of advice i think there's 18 questions right All yeah right. there's 18 uh, my my favorite story from the book is one of the one of the list one of the lessons is be on time lombardi time you have to be 15 minutes early and so for those of you listeners in america you get 
uh, Vince Lombardi is is a famous NFL coach. Um, and the trophy is named the Super Bowl trophy is named after him, the Lombardi Trophy, and so he was a stickler for peeing on time. And so a story I tell in the book on kind of that talks about that lesson is my grandfather. I, I worked with him when I first started in the business. He's he has since passed away. Um, but I had a meeting with him and I was totally late for the meeting. I was I was really late and, and I was meeting with my dad. And so I didn't want to cut out of the meeting. And so I showed up to his office. He looked at me. He wrote on a five dollar note, you know, respect for time. He ripped it in half. He gave me half of it and he said, I'll give you the other half when you respect my time, get out of my office. And so, <laughs> and that was a lesson, you know, when you're a kid and you just started working for the company, it, it, it sticks with you and your grandfather did it to you. And he kind of humiliated you, not in front of people, but just in general. And, um, you know, it was a lesson, you know, and, and people respect you if you respect their time. Uh, and that's just one of the many lessons, one of the 18 lessons, but that's a, a story that sticks with me. Yes, it's a big one. In, in in flicking through some of the elements of the book, I saw that uh, uh, that that's probably was one of his main points, really, in building, particularly from your point of view, building your character and your sort of uh, your your principles and how you operate. Is is that a bit of philosophy, no doubt, that you share with your franchisees and your teams? I guess. Oh yeah, and and I've already sent this out to them. A lot of them have purchased it, which is really kind of them. I, I'm at our conference. We passed this out and they've, what's funny is my dad has used the list in conferences over the years. And so many of the franchise owners have been around long enough to see my dad and then see me kind of come into the role and, and do things. They've kind of seen it grown up, me grow up and see this grow up. And so that was really cool to, to be a part of it. But of course, this has influenced us tremendously. So what, what do you hope your readers to take away from it? Not just your franchisees are nodding their head probably saying, yes, oh, that one. <laughs> what yeah. about a, a general reader who's really got no knowledge apart from knowing you're a sizable organization? Yeah, I, I think it comes down to, you know, these lessons matter. And, and at the end of the day, you know, you have to put effort towards your culture. You have to put effort towards parenting you have to put effort towards anything you're trying to do it doesn't just happen and so you know this was the way that my dad wanted to control and to to pass things on to us and to pour into us everyone has their different way of doing things that's fine so if someone can read this book and say hey you know this is something i'm going to bring into my organization or my parenting or you know my relationship with my spouse or whomever you know that's what i would love for someone to take from this book is, you know, these points, a lot of them are common sense. I don't think anyone was going to read this book and say, Oh, I, I don't like any of these points. <laughs> They're at least going to like a majority of them. So, you know, if take what you want and, and build off of what you want. Right. Okay. Now let's move on a bit of the big picture from the point of view of franchising from business, generally commerce, etc. huge changes. We mentioned COVID. I won't run through them. We all know the changes are still happening and they're going to continue to happen from the looks of things. So what, why why um, do you think now is a good time to open a franchise, AJ? Well, I, I think it's a lot of what we've been talking about this whole time is it's that proven system, the process, and you want a bigger company that's going to work for you when times get tough. So for instance, I, I don't think there was any better type of organization to be with during COVID than a franchise organization because 
you're you can be the jet ski and let us handle a lot of the other stuff and so working with governments working with vendors working with suppliers anyone that's going to help you build your business that's what you want and so when you you want to start your own business you want your flexibility you want to be able to own your your asset where you can pass on to your family and you can build to sell at some point um there's no better way to do that than with franchising, especially when times are uncertain. So I, I think people look at it the opposite way. I look at it as, you know, when things are uncertain, you want that organization to be with you and to help you through these things. And candidly, we haven't seen the economy slow down here in the U.S. or in Australia in a lot of ways. It's changed dramatically and there's been some hiccups and there's been some challenges. But overall, you know, I don't see a better time. No, I'm inclined to agree. I, I think, unfortunately, the media is really is really peddling lots of negatives at the moment. You can certainly yeah. find, you know, with inflation and so forth. But we've been through all that before, and people survive. But there's so much focus on it now that uh, I think people are disproportionately aware of it and consequently more nervous. So, what do you see happening in the franchise industry over the next few years? I, I think there's going to be big growth. I think that I, there are new businesses that that will sprout up and become franchises. I mean, when you look at some of our biggest companies that we have around the world right now, you know, Facebook was started during a recession. You know, you can go down Zoom. Zoom was started before the recession. I mean, there there's a lot of different things that you can look at from examples around you know, the business community on when things start. So I, I continue to see growth. I think there's going to be more multi-unit franchisees for sure. I think that's a trend as well. Um, I think there's going to be some unique franchises out there, more stay at home, more virtual franchising. We're looking at some in that regard as well. Um, and I think that each franchise has to adapt because everyone wants more and more flexibility. And I know that we've, we've used that word a couple of times during our time talking, but that is a key thing moving forward is do you have that flexibility for your franchise owners and are you coaching your franchise owners to help them with their staff flexibility as well? And, and I'm not saying, I'm not necessarily saying work from home type things. I'm saying from a technology perspective, from a community perspective, from what do they want in a business? And so I think there's a lot of different things going on that's coming together at this point. AJ, it's been delightful talking to you. I think we could talk for another hour without any problems for at all. Sure. And you'd be sharing lots of great knowledge. So I think the first step for anyone I'd suggest is get hold of the, of the list. <laughs> so these 18, yeah. 18 points. So where can people get a copy of your book, AJ? It's on Amazon. So it's the list Lessons from a Father by AJ Titus. So it's on Amazon.com if you want to order it there. Mm -hmm. um, Congratulations. Yeah, being, being an author, that's a, that's a great step. It's quite an achievement. So uh, appreciate that. So from the point of view of, of yourself or your organization, someone would like to know a little bit more about any of the elements, where, where should they go? So you can start unitedfranchisegroup.com. You'll see all of our different brands there. For Sinorama specifically, you can either look for franchise information at sinoramafranchise.com, or you can go if you want to look at what we do as a company, sinorama.com. Okay. And they can make contact with somebody there through a contact line or something like yes. that. Yeah. So we have a contact form on that page as well. Excellent. Okay. AJ, anything you'd like to add while we're just closing the uh, conversation? Uh, I mean, the big thing is I'm generally optimistic about where we are, you know, and I, I think at the end of the day, franchising is a great industry, a business model. Um, and, you know, 
look, we're, we're ready for whatever comes next and we're excited for whatever comes next. And so, you know, if, if you have any questions about franchising, please feel free to reach out to me and, you know, we're excited about where we're headed. I love the sentiment. So that's something I think we should all share. If you're in franchising or if you're in business, you've got to be optimistic. The opportunities are vast. And uh, but having said that, I'd like to thank AJ. Really great chatting to you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And just say to everybody, I um, hope you've enjoyed this particular segment and look forward to speaking to you again when we release our next Franchise Radio Show. Yeah.